guide to single life living in your 20s, 30s and 40s. Now this podcast goes into dating, relationships and living alone. But if you are watching on YouTube today, you would notice that there is a little bit of a difference and my background's very different. We are outside and that's because we're going to be talking about one of my favourite topics that I think is exaggerated and can be taken the most opportunity of when you are single and that is solo travel. I am currently in Bilbao in Spain on my surprise trip. Some of you will have known about that if you've listened to the podcast before, but if it's the first time you're listening or you haven't come across me on TikTok, then this is the first time I've gone abroad on my own and it is to a place that I didn't know where I was going until 6.30am yesterday. So we are now... uh, It will be 10.30 UK time, so a full 28 hours later and I am here I have been exploring and I'm currently up at an observation garden I would call it um in Bilbao just taking it all in and so I thought and I don't know if I'm going to pull this off quite quite so be prepared that this could just be part of a podcast episode or it might not be I might have to continue it myself so the idea I've had is that I will record I usually do a 20 to 25 minute podcast that's what I aim for anyway so I figure if I record five to ten minutes in a couple of locations I'll do one in the hotel room the hotel's very basic but at least then it gives you the overview of what the trip's been like so far this has been the quietest place I've been everyone else has been very busy bustly like I couldn't do it at the cafe this is the perfect little venue to at least do the introduction and maybe start one of my points what I wanted to talk about today was what I wish I knew before I went on my first solo trip abroad. It seems like the most relevant thing for me to do. There could well be people in the background from time to time. I will try to pause and make sure that I correct, but if not otherwise. Having done my own for solo trips for so long now, a couple of years ago was my first official solo trip that I ever did without anybody else around me whilst I was single. That was in the height of COVID. You can go listen back to, I think I've got a couple more episodes where I've gone specifically into solo travel, but if you want general advice, then head to TikTok because it's always an kind of undercurrent theme that is there because I do so much of it. I do so many things on my own back in the UK and I take these specific solo trips because you need a break and you cannot stop yourself going on trips and adventures just because you're single and don't have someone specifically to go with. Some of you will be like, but I would ask my friends, they could go. If your friends are in relationships, then the priority, unfortunately, in most cases, is their partner and going away. And we know that the cost of living is becoming more and more. So you've got to balance the idea of wanting to go away on your own and doing it. Going abroad isn't going to be everyone's first choice to do as their first trip because there's so many things involved, like how do you get there, you're dealing with a different country and so on. So if you've never been away from home before, I suggest doing one of those. And I know some of you find it really difficult to even imagine spending the whole night away in a place that you don't know and how do you feel that time? So you can check out other podcasts for my ideas on that or head to TikTok. But for today, I'm going to specifically talk about the fact that I've gone away to a different country and what I'd wish I'd known. So I think there's probably going to be more that I've learned today that I'll talk about in tomorrow's as well if I get a chance. And I will finish this episode off, even if it ends up me being back at home having to finish it. But one of the first things that I really hadn't thought about in terms of going away abroad is that everywhere I'd been on holiday prior to this had always been, pretty much, always been a resort. Quite frankly, whenever we went on holiday with my family, 
family, any part of them. We could have been in any country because we were in the hotel. We generally stayed in the hotel. Yes, we might have had a day out on a day trip, but they were quite generic trips like scuba diving or Jeep tours, things like that. So we were very, I'm very used to being in different countries and there being, you know, people that speak different languages. But ultimately, they could and did pretty much speak our language almost by default or, you know, once they knew who you were, they would then know you were English and then speak to you in English. Going to somewhere such as a city like this, which I don't deem to be very tourist-based. Don't get me wrong, there are tourists here. Don't get me wrong, they have menus in English. Don't get me wrong, they have all the tour guide stuff is in English. But it must be a bit like this for anybody that visits the UK where we don't speak their language and you are listening to a completely different dialect all the time. And we don't print menus in different languages. We expect people to be able to read them. I know at tourist places, they will have the guides in the different languages and they might have some translations. But as far as I've been aware, like just on a basic level, pretty much everything is in English. And I'm lucky in the sense that it is a language that a lot of the people here can speak and can interact with me with bearing in mind that I didn't know where I was going until uh you know 24 hours or so ago I didn't even have a head start to be able to learn any other language yeah I haven't been prepared for how many people are just automatically default speaking to me in Spanish sometimes that used to happen on the resort but I suppose after you've been there a day or two they would know and so then you didn't have to experience it too many times again and it's not a problem it's just something that I hadn't really thought about. Don't get me wrong, I've been to cities before. I've been to Berlin on a school trip. But, you know, we were on a school trip. All of us were speaking English to each other and we were with each other the whole time. I've been on other school trips with school as a teacher and we've been to resorts where it would have been like that. But again, they're speaking to us in English and you're with a group of people that are speaking English to you. Where I am on my own and every interaction I have is basically with someone that does what in most cases, speak my language as a first language. It's just very odd. And, you know, greetings in the elevators are, are in Spanish, which that often happens when you're abroad. I suppose it's when um, I get asked a question. So someone asked me, because apparently I look friendly enough to approach for this. Well, they explained after that they were asking where the closest metro was, but they had initially asked me in Spanish. And it's like, oh, I'm really sorry, I don't speak Spanish. And explaining that. And also, I was in the lift earlier. And it had gone down instead of up. I didn't realise when I got in it. Anyway, it only went down one floor. And the doors opened and this guy went, he said something, which I can only now assume was, is this going down or up? But I was like, I don't know what you're saying. There were hands obviously pointing and that, that, that leads me to think that's what that was in the end. But yeah, I just haven't been prepared for it as much as when I've been on resort. That's not going to be everybody's experience because others of you will have families that took you to cities and you did this style of stuff or you've done it before with groups. In my instance, yes, I've been away on my own, but never abroad to a place where English isn't even like a mediumly predominant language. It's all Spanish. I've heard a bit of French, I'll be honest, and I have heard a couple of English voices. But, you know, th this is a Spanish city and I just wasn't prepared for that. I'm fine with it. But if you've never really thought about that before, that can be, you know, something that you go, oh, yeah, of course, it's going to be like that. So... It's just worth thinking about. And that's my first one. So for number two of things that I wish I knew before I went on my first solo trip abroad, we have moved to the hotel. I thought I was going to be able to go out this evening and record some stuff. And it kind of links in with my whole point of number two. But no, it's significantly busier this evening. I was going to get some reels done and some TikTok 
oh no, there's way too many people, so um, any of the embarrassing ones we're not doing, and everything, yeah, just busy. So we're going to do the hotel one, and then maybe I'll get some done tomorrow, because tomorrow is the last day, this is day two. But yeah, we're in my hotel room, um, the bed isn't made, so the bed is conveniently out of mostly shot you got the pillow there for those of you that are watching on this on youtube and you can see the general gist of the basic room that i was describing nothing special but very very much a good base there's no reason that this isn't it's comfortable and that's the important bit but number two based on what i was just talking about is how different certain cultures sometimes are and particularly in my case where i didn't know where i was going until yesterday morning sometimes you can't prepare for the difference in culture so straight away there is a big difference here in terms of kind of eating styles and patterns. So firstly, tapas, bear in mind I'm in Spain, tapas here in this Basque city is not the same as our tapas. Their tapas here is like meat or seafood on little bits of baguette. That is tapas. And I swear to God, in every little cafe or bar, they have this. Like it's that's what the main food seems to be. And I guess it's kind of like a little, it feels like a light lunch. And I've noticed that even with meals, bread is served, but lots of the bread gets left. And then that leads me on to my dilemma that I experienced this evening, which is that there are hundreds of these cafe bars. So you can sit out and have a, a glass of wine seems to be a popular option out here. And these little tapas that go with them. But finding a restaurant they're there. I appreciate that I have walked past a few and just not wanted to go in them. But to me, there's it's not as big. When you think of London or even Chelmsford, you've got restaurants, full-on restaurants where you'd have a three-course meal everywhere where food is cooked, not these little tapases that some, some of them are chilled and stay chilled and some of them are warmed. Back home, there's a restaurant every other shop and we know that lots of high streets are transforming into what feels like just restaurants because online shopping is taking over. Here, there's definitely a culture of socialising together with a drink and having these little tapas. And, and in most cases, they're not even the tapas out. It's just that a lot of socialising over drinks. I also looked up some of the work patterns. They have a break during the day, which might have, you know, impacted what's going on. And also with these tapas things, I was like, when I first was given them, no one around me was eating them. They just finished like a, a, an actual lunch serving. But I was like, I don't know if I'm meant to eat these with a knife and fork or if I'm meant to just like pick them up and eat them. It was, it's one of those where you don't know. And when you're put in that situation, whether in my case, unknowingly didn't know what was going to be happening. But I think that can happen. Even if you research stuff, you wouldn't necessarily always know what the etiquette was and what it was like to really be in the city you just have to forgive yourself a little bit and be like I am a foreigner in a country that I don't know and I don't know what I don't know I don't know what the standard is and I've been discovering it it's part of the excitement and the curiosity involved with going to a country that you don't know is, is to observe and, and see what is different it's funny um, even just differences in the way their systems are set up is also interesting. It's kind of making sure you go in with curiosity to explore that culture. But yeah, I was unprepared for it. Some of the things that they've got here and that they do are wonderful. Less culture, just as I say, infrastructure. Some of the traffic lights, um, so the green man and the red man, have countdowns for the green, which we also have in the UK in some cases. But they also have, in some cases a countdown for the red man. So the red, it, it will be red for ages, the red man. And then at a certain point, it'll be like, 
it will count down from 20 or so and show you how long you've got to wait until the red man will stop. Oh, how wonderful. And like they're green men. Some of them last like 40 seconds and they will count that down. It's it's glorious in that sense. Um, I've really enjoyed that. Even I bring my own culture to where I am here. So they have some zebra crossings that don't have the lights. And I wasn't even sure, and I'm not sure what the strict rule is. Like in the UK, generally people stop for you. That's part of the highway code. Here, I wasn't sure if when you're stood on a zebra crossing, do they have to give way to you? It seems that they should, but not all do, which is fine. But my instinct, as would be adapted from the UK, is to say thank you with a hand. I haven't noticed anyone else doing that. So I'm I'm definitely outing myself as the uh, person that's not from here. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to experience, but it's Part of it, you know, I don't think there's any harm in putting your hand up. I hope I'm not offending anyone. That's the only thing you have to be aware of. Over here, I'm not sure if there is. I smile a lot, always. It's part of my character to, as I cross paths with people, smile. I don't think that's a thing here very much. I mean, you could argue it's not a thing in the UK, the amount of uh, rumpy faces you see sometimes. But quite often, if you smile at someone, someone smiles back. That's uh, not... Not so much here. And that's okay. Like, it's not a bad thing. That's my character. It's part of what I do. I think it's... Is it part of British culture? Like, it's, it's a... It's something that we generally, I think, if someone smiles at us or even, you know, gives you some, some sort of acknowledgement. People have said good morning to me more. More so if I'm in the elevator. I think they've said buenos dias. Because I also didn't know any of these phrases when I came. I also forgot that hola was hola. I just... My brain wasn't really moving at a quick enough pace yesterday, but I picked up on that and saying gracias. Because this is not, as I mentioned the previous point, because this is not a significant tourist area for people that speak English, you are dealing with a scenario that they probably don't really know how to often deal with you and you don't know how to deal with them. I've just come back from pizza this evening and quite clearly she didn't know much English, but we got by. So she pointed to something on the table and I was like, oh, I'll scan that. Um, goodness knows what she said to me, but hopefully that's basically what she said. She said, see. So I scanned that, and the menu was translated in English, which was wonderful. And essentially for the meal, we communicated with like me pointing at the menu. But I did say it, and she said it back. And I said Coca-Cola, she said Pepsi, fine. Then she asked me about dessert, but obviously it wasn't the word dessert. And I was like, dessert, I, and I was like, I'll take a look and point to the barcode again. So it's kind of interesting to do that as well. Whilst I was sat at dinner too... People were all speaking Spanish. And it was interesting that for, as someone that's sat on their own, I'm not observing, but I am listening sometimes at certain points. And I can't understand. But based on them just coming in as a pair, sitting down looking at the menu, I can decipher that they're probably discussing the menu. So you can almost build up this like imaginary story about what they're doing. Because you can hear odd words that do sound similar, like lasagna. I know what that means. And antipasti because we use that on our, I think it was an Italian restaurant, so therefore, you know, there's crossover with Italian in general. You can kind of work out what they're probably saying to one another, even though you have no clue. That is number two, and number three will be in a new location. So it seems like you can hear the fountain. I'm going to record anyway, and if I have to re-record, then I have to re-record. I will do some, try and do some editing when I get back. Um, to see if I can take that sort of low level sound out because it's a lovely setting and I don't know where else will be best apart from trying to go back up to the thing from yesterday which is where I've already recorded so we're not going to do that we're on to the third thing now and the third and the last thing 
so far that I can come up with, and this is anything I need to add when I get back because I suddenly think of it, is that when you travel abroad to a city like this, it's actually not that different to traveling anywhere in the UK. Yes, there is a potential, and in this case there was an extra language barrier, which hasn't put me off ever doing this again. It's just I didn't have that awareness of it, but I've managed to the point, you know, we're in that privileged position where a lot of people do speak our, our language, speak English. Or, in the cases where their English actually hasn't been that strong, they've been able to point and I've been able to kind of make sense of what they're saying. Otherwise, it's generally very, very similar. Other than that, I, I don't, and the weather, but at the moment, you know, the UK's having a heatwave, so, arguably. But it's been mad here as well, but it's not that different. You don't know what the weather's going to be like, so you have to pack for different eventualities. You don't know the city you're in, so you need to carry out your kind of safety basics at the start that you know how to get around. You should keep cash on you as a backup in case you find that you can't get somewhere with your car, your car doesn't work, or you need to get a taxi quickly. And the whole essence of it is that you just don't know where you are. You are on your own and you want to be going and exploring what's around you, going to see what happens. I have let my intuition guide me for this. When I got sent the email that told me where I was going, it gave me a quick list of five things that you should see. And when I told some of my friends where I was going, one of them did say, here's one of the key things that it says that you're probably going to go and see. And it is the top of the list. It's what lots of people come here for. Apparently, I've heard people talking about it at breakfast um, and in their exchanges about why they're here. I did that one. I did that on the first day. But otherwise, I haven't had a, a real, like, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do that then. It was more like, where do I want to go now? What do I want to do? There was only one thing that I was, I was like, I sort of planned to go to a different area, which was the different district I went to yesterday. But did I plan to go on the cable car? No. Did I plan to stay out there and do the podcast recording? No. Did I then plan to... I basically ended up doing a loop, it turned out. I didn't realise um, until part of yesterday when I came back on myself that to do that cable car, I had gone very much circularly around. I started coming back around to artwork and, and buildings that I'd seen before. And interesting, one of the pictures that I'd taken during the morning of a building that I thought was, was beautiful, as many of them are around here, if you can't already tell from those watching on YouTube, it turned out to be the market, which is, I, I, I figured there must be a market around here somewhere food-wise. It's a, a culturally known for its food. And whilst it wasn't like, it was a market in the traditional sense, actually, it was a very modernised market. It was all inside and they had different stands for meat, fish, fruit and veg and so on. But then downstairs there was like um, a whole section of little bistros all set up and you would eat in the middle. I, I mean, I'd liken it to like your canteen at Lakeside, but fancier. But that is what, what they had there. And I'd completely just written that off as a, just some random building yesterday. I didn't know what it was until I, I was, that was the only thing I, I, at the time. I was like, I want to go and see a market if they've got anything like that. And that was what came up. And I didn't realise until later that I was basically, yeah, going back on myself. Did it matter? No. My mum messaged and said, you know, what's your plan for the day yesterday? And I said, I don't have a plan. She said, oh, just in case there was something you wanted to see that you don't want to miss. Don't get me wrong, I've checked out the things it said to go and see on the five lists. Or, you know, I've looked at that list and been like, do I want to? I've gone to see some of the cathedrals. Do I want to go in them? No. I did the museum. I've paid to go to places. 
there's probably more that I could see. I'm, the only other thing that I would have liked to do, which I just didn't organise in time, was going on like um, the open top bus tour, which I'd seen on day one. Maybe in the next place that I go, I will book that, whether that's in the UK or somewhere abroad. So that's on my kind of to-do list for somewhere. But in this sense, I've walked around and I've got a sense of this place that you couldn't get if you'd done it on a bus. I'd have seen probably more things and known more things about some of the buildings, same as if you'd had a guided walking tour. But sometimes just walking the walk around the places gives you a better sense. I feel like I know this city a little bit. I feel like I can navigate certain places. Like I know the Guggenheim is over that way. If I wanted to go where I was yesterday, I would I would head in a general direction of over there. Based on that being over there, then that's got to be there. The airport, not that you can get there by foot very easily. It would take you a while, but it, it is that way. Because if the Guggenheim's there, then it's there's a bridge right by it that I think is basically this the in and out towards the airport. So, you know, I've got that sense of it. I feel like I kind of know it. Gosh, if I came back in even just six weeks' time or something, I I probably wouldn't be able to do it in quite the same way. Is that idea that go out there and do that wherever you are. Stay in the moment, go and explore, and don't treat going abroad as, as too much different. Yes, you've got something to deal with in terms of the journey, whether it's flights or train, but sometimes you have to do that in the UK anyway. Okay, you can't keep all of the stuff that you would need. You, you don't have that to hand. So when I forgot my adapter, I was like, what am I going to do? I thought that was going to be a big challenge. But obviously, reception were able to help me. If they hadn't, on my walks in general, I have seen that there's been like an Apple-approved store. So I would have gone in there to go and get an adapter back to, you know, you pay for what you need to when you've forgotten something. It was like when I went to Norfolk and hadn't thought anything about taking a towel and going to the beach. What? So I just bought a quick bikini and a towel at the time you know make sure you've got enough funds to deal with that but don't treat it like any other difference yes there may be a language barrier but ultimately it's just the same principles go and have fun go and explore go do something by yourself and enjoy i'll do an ending here just in case this is the very end and i want to make sure that it does have an end i hope that that's given you some advice on traveling abroad for the first time this is my first time on my own and doing a city break not just going to a holiday resort which on reflection i think i would be more bored i get bored in when i'm with people and doing that for seven days as long i could probably do it for three days just want to relax but i like somewhere that i can at least explore and even now like i'm itching to make things because of the creativity and the inspiration it's given me as opposed to like wanting to relax more maybe that's just my character and personality but either way there's some advice for you on traveling alone going abroad and sticking with it until next time everybody keep celebrating single life together